RadioInfluence.com. This week's episode of Crush Performance is brought to you by the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute, a research and certification company that is helping us all better understand how the foods and beverages we consume impact our bodies, our brains, and our performance. For more information, go to BRICS-certified.com. That's B-R-I-X-certified.com. And join us on the first show of each month for our podcast series, The Science of Sweetness. And it all starts right now. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Kershell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to reach out, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. Drop us any questions, comments, smart remarks you might have. Or, listen, if you have a topic or something you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We will definitely get back to you, and we may even dedicate a segment or an entire episode to your idea. Trust me. It is our mission to share information and maybe get you guys thinking about things you might not be thinking about. And on the flip side, we're really counting on you to challenge us, to get us thinking about things that we might not be thinking about, because that's what a partnership's all about. Helping each other out, challenging each other, getting us thinking about things that we might not be thinking about, and in the end, helping each other get better. That's what it's all about. And today is no exception. Episode number two of our Science of Sweetness series. The Crush War on Sugar is raging on in our Science of Sweetness series because it's much more than just sugars. It's everything we put in our mouths. And to get a better understanding of how the foods and beverages we eat are impacting our health, our brains, and our performance, we're dedicating one episode each month to the Science of Sweetness. And each month, we'll be joined by Dr. Anduise Allen, the Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute, as we dive into all of the important information you need to know to make better choices and better understand how the foods you eat are affecting your metabolism and your bodies. On last week's episode, Dr. Allen said something incredibly powerful. She said, don't you have the right to know? Don't we have the right to know? how the foods and beverages we consume are impacting our bodies, are affecting our metabolisms. And she's absolutely right. Not only do we have the right to know, we need to know this. If you look at the trends out there in obesity, childhood obesity, diabetes, childhood diabetes, if you look at the health issues of hypertension and certain cancers and all of the things that are associated with our food chain, including including our brain health and degenerative brain diseases. All of this is intimately connected to the foods and beverages we consume on a daily basis. Yes, we need to understand how much sugar we're consuming. Yes, we need to understand the balance between fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. Yes, we need to hydrate properly. But we also need to know what happens once it gets inside of our bodies. Because it's not as simple as you might have been led to believe. And that's what the Science of Sweetness series is all about. On this episode of the Science of Sweetness, we're going to talk about fuel trafficking. Where does the food and beverages that you consume go once they enter the body? Are they taking the right pathway? 
And what happens if they don't take the right pathway? And if they don't take the right pathway, why and how can we correct it? And we're also going to answer a couple of fantastic questions that came in off of last month's Science of Sweetness uh, episode. And one in particular that came in from Lauren. And she was asking about, hey, if you do consume a non-nutritive, zero-calorie beverage or a food, what exactly is the body storing in the fat cells then? If there's no calories to store. It's a fantastic question with a not so simple answer, but an all important answer. There's some great new research that has been published in CNN here over the last week, looking at some of the research on artificial sweeteners and how they are manipulating and tricking the brain into thinking there's something they're not. Everything we talked about on last month's episode of the science of sweetness, and this is all very, very recent research. And from that, article in the research publication in CNN, a really, really interesting statement that was made. And it's a quote here um, coming out of all that data and research they were looking at. It's a black hole of bad news for diet sodas. And it was a deep dive into artificial sweeteners. We're going to address that this week on Crush Performance. So stay tuned, everybody. We've got a fantastic episode of the Science of Sweetness coming up right after this with Dr. Andouise Allen. Stick around. Lots of great and important information coming up right after this. This week's episode of Crush Performance is brought to you by the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute. Everything we eat and drink impacts our bodies in some way. No matter if it's low fat or high fat, high protein or no protein, a carbohydrate, a sugar, an artificial sweetener, added sugar or no sugar. No matter what we consume, there's a metabolic response that impacts our bodies in some way. Don't you think it's time we better understood what that impact might be? That's the mission and the passion of the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute. They're a research and certification company dedicated to helping us all better understand how the foods and beverages we consume affect us all. And not only are they dedicated to educating us on the foods we eat, they're on a mission to help food companies create and or reformulate any edible product by providing independent investigations and verification in order to identify blood sugar and metabolic impact of a nutraceutical, pharmaceutical, food or beverage, sugar sweetener, or bio-sweetener for claims and FDA label substantiation. It's very important work. We're proud to have the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute supporting the Crush War on Sugars Science of Sweetness series. Each month, we've dedicated an entire episode to our Science of Sweetness series where we'll be investigating and attacking some of the most important questions concerning the foods we eat and how they impact our bodies, our brains, and our performance. For more information, go to bricks-certified.com. That's bricks, B-R-I-X-certified.com. And if you're a company looking to up your game and produce and supply better products, click on the client application form and let's all work together to create better foods, supplements, pharmaceuticals, sugars, and sweeteners for everybody. And be sure to join us on the first show of each month as we roll out our Science of Sweetness series right here on Crush Performance. Let's get back to it right now. You're listening to Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell. Get the Crush podcast, newsletter, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody, and episode number two of our Science of Sweetness series. Each month, we're going to be bringing you one episode as we dive into how the foods and beverages you eat 
impact your health, your brain, and your performance. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is our email. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on all other social media platforms. You could search out Crush Performance and we can hook up there. And if you want more information on the science of sweetness, you can check out the BRICS Glycemic Impact Research and Science Institute at bricks-certified.com. You can also ask questions there at SOS at bricks-certified.com. All right, we are joined now by our good friend, Dr. Andouise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. Dr. Allen, welcome to episode number two of the Science of Sweetness. So glad you can join us as the saga continues. Oh, I'm jacked up today because we got some hot topics. You know, we've been uh, getting a lot of email questions uh, that they send you, and they're really good questions. I mean, I'm loving them because the harder they are, the more I like it. So they're asking some, listen, you must have some intelligent listeners because we're getting some really good questions. And so you and I talked about it and said, hey, let's address some of the questions you've been getting from our last podcast because they're pretty juicy. Yeah. I'm liking it. Yeah, no, so so am I, Doc. It is no, there's nothing more rewarding when, you know, the audience that you're trying to share with uh, interacts and responds the way they have. It's incredible. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that everybody's kind of up to date. They're catching up with, with the knowledge and the thinking. And this is sort of the icing on the cake. One of the big responses from last week, Dr. Allen, was uh, uh, about your comment. Don't we have the right? Don't you think you have the right to know how the foods you consume and eat impact your metabolism? That was one of the all-time favorites from last one. It's been a real power punch, but it's so, so true. You got that right. And I think that, you know, um, looking at our research for the past 30 years um, has allowed us to, you know, evolve in an evolutionary uh, scientific uh, text of moving ahead to a different platform. And that platform is, you know, the FDA isn't going to give us the metabolic outcome. And, you know, you, uh, you and I were talking about that. And a little bit later, you can explain exactly why the FDA has pretty much demonstrated why they can't do that. It's basically too damn complicated. Right. Um, but it's not complicated for us because that's what we do. If you identify how sugar, sweeteners, you know, and anything else that goes in the mouth uh, is going to affect the body, you're ritually looking for incoming and outgoing and input, okay? And that's what you we really have to recognize. And so, you know what? One of the biggest questions we've been getting, which is really interesting, 10 years ago, I could have lectured about this at the Tokyo Convention Center, which I do to 10,000 people, and I'd have gotten cricket. <laughs> I'd be talking about, you know, the cephalic respondents, they'd be like, oh, what? And, and fuel partitioning and fuel trafficking, which, as you said, is the topic today. You know, they'd be going, what? But now they're not. They're going, it's amazing that your listeners have said, okay, well, now we want to know, you know, about stibia and monk fruit. Oh, yeah, we're going to cover that. Because we were the first scientists in 1983 to bring mogricides, monk fruit, into the United States from China, from Gualin, China, where they grow it. And we were the first ones to do clinical trials in humans on monk fruit. Now, obviously, later we did stevia and all that, but that was the first thing we did. Listen, we have 30 years of clinical research on what we're calling... They're intense sweeteners. So those are 
stevia, monk fruit, those kind of things, fall into low-energy, non-nutritive, intense sweeteners, compounds, and isolates. That's the category. And people were asking us, like, wait a minute, you know, how can something that's supposed to be inert, metabolically inert, like stevia or monk fruit, how can it have any activity? Oh, it does. Oh, yeah, it does. And we're going to go over it. And if they want to know the mechanism, I know that we were talking earlier, I started going into some deep science, you know, some deep, deep stuff. And you're like, okay, listen, doc, that's, you know, you now you're talking about the isolate pathway of the gluten. And I was like, okay, wait, stop. And I go, okay, because you know me, I'll digress <laughs> into the chemistry platform and you'll go, Losing it. We're well, losing it. We, we could have been addressing a biochemistry class at Harvard for crying out loud. And and the cool thing is, you're right, Dr. Allen. You know, the, the thing is, um, it's not that people are scared of all this science. I think we're finally starting to understand it. And I also think that people are fed up. We need to start changing the conversation. And, you know, you mentioned monk fruit and stevia there. And that's a good place to kind of start the conversation. It's not that you don't like them. It's just that we have to better understand them. Is that fair to say? You're exactly right, and that's why I'm so excited because we've been doing this research for so long, and, you know, we have patents. We have a billion dollars of technology. Uh, we have millions of dollars in clinical trials. We got the goods on the science, and, you know, who knew that starting at 83 and, and coming up till now that anybody would really care about our research that much. Um, a lot of the big beverage companies cared, you know, and we did trials for some of the biggest food companies in the world. Are they going to publish that? No, because that's proprietary. And if I say that on, on the phone, I'll be shot by tonight. By, no, by nightfall, I'll be shot in my driveway, okay? Hopefully not. Oh, wait. Hopefully no, they'll not. blow up my house. Boom. Oh, look, her house blew up. Okay, whatever. But, you know, when we – when if you look at – we're going to look at the hardcore data, right? That's all I care about. Let's look at the hardcore data. But then it has to go further than that. Okay, you got hardcore data. But what are you going to do with it? So you know what? There's a saying in our lab. Science is really insignificant unless it has an application. Mm -hmm. So it's great to say, okay, oh, look at that. How about this? Stevia raises insulin levels higher than sugar. Nobody, how many people know that? They go like, that's impossible. How does it do it? Oh, we're going to explain the mechanism to you. Oh, yeah, we will. But the point is, what is good as science if you cannot uh, utilize it in a functional way. And our functional way is to say, hey, let's educate manufacturers. And man, I'll tell you what, Crusher, you and I have been working on a project in clinical trials and, and, and you know, massive, massive research on how to create, take flavors and switch them around and give them a metabolic pathway. That's one of the most fascinating things that we've ever done. And you've been just, oh, you've been obsessed with that topic. Yeah. Because sports drinks have to have flavors. So that's where you, you get, you're like, wait a minute, Doc. We can have a metabolic outcome uh, that we can take a flavor and attach a message to it, a, a human intel inside. Yeah. Isn't that the point? What good is the science if we don't have an application for it in changing foods and beverages and nutraceuticals? I don't care if it's gum or it's a gummy bear or it's a hot fudge sundae, or if it's a if it's a sports beverage, you if you control and predict the outcome, then then you can really help control the negative effects where it doesn't stimulate insulin or blood glucose or exacerbate type two diabetes. And now it affects we know it affects cognitive function and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's when insulin stimulated. All those things have come into play, and we've said, hey, those things aren't good. 
But how can we undo that where it's still, where you still have something that's a completely 100% natural? So if we're talking about using a metabolic GPS system as the solution, it has to be natural, grass-approved, validated in clinical trials, um, harmless to humans, children, and kids, babies, uh, clinically tested in those group of people, um, safe for diabetics, whatever. And when you can do that, you can, you can predict the outcomes. And so you can take specific glycosides, which are monk fruit and stevia. The, the, you know, FDA made licorice glycosides illegal because they cause serious problems, but we won't even get into that until another call. Yeah. But the point is that, yes, monk fruit and stevia are wonderful. I mean, here's the problem. Stevia particularly can take the – and glycosides can take the wrong pathway, the wrong glute pathway. Now, in order to predict what's going to happen in the body, you have to understand the glute pathway. There's 14 different glute pathways. If you don't control those, you're not going to control the outcome. So monk fruit and stevia are wonderful, but the problem is they don't know their identity. The brain goes, what are you? What the heck are you and what are you doing in here? What, what, why are you here? That's no fuel. You're tricking me. It's trickery. Right. Um, and so when you can attach those to a molecule that takes the right glute pathway, uh, then you, you have value of the stevia and the monk fruit. But you can't, like, for example, artificial sweeteners left to their own devices uh, take a wrong pathway. And we can discuss that today because we have you know, 30 years of research on that. But um, it's really interesting to note that, you know, not all stevia products, A, have grass approval, and they're not all the same. You know, some of the isolated glycosides, like Intruvia, are quite different from some of the other stevia products. So the, the FDA has mandated that stevia leaf and crude extracts of stevia do not have grass or FDA approval. They do not. Okay. So, you know, being as smart as Coca-Cola is, they decided to isolate, you know, some of the glycosides that were A, the sweetest, least and the least bitter and et cetera. But, you know, the issue with these, with, with these glycosidic compounds, which are monk fruit and stevia, and we've been isolating, you know, isolates from stevia and monk fruit for a really long time. And here's what we do know, which is, is, is accepted scientifically in the, in the entire scientific community, that there has to be a caloric value, a caloric value, okay, which stevia and monk fruit don't on their own have a caloric value, and a BRICS value. Now, they have a BRICS value. Stevia and monk fruit and glycosides have a BRICS value, but they do not have a caloric value. And here's the bottom line. There has to be a caloric value and a BRICS value for the brain and its related receptors to accept anything that enters the mouth as usable fuel. And that includes the brain and the body. And that, you know, is what we call fuel trafficking. Right. Well, the theme of today's show is fuel trafficking because on our last show, we uh, created quite a stir and you mentioned it several times here already. You talked about pathways and the metabolic GPS systems making sure the fuels go the right way. That's one thing that is not happening right now. And when the fuels don't go the right way, whatever it might be, it might be not, like you mentioned, it might be a non-caloric or, or, or a sweetener with, with no caloric value, or it might be something like sugar or stevia or so, any, whatever you put in your mouth. If it doesn't follow the, 
the right pathway, if it's not programmed to go in the right pathway, there are dire consequences, Dr. Allen. Oh, man. It's unbelievable how the science just in the past 10 years has really elucidated the tragedy of, of the wrong metabolic outcome. It's, it's unbelievable. We had no idea that stevia and insulin had a, a sister pathway. And we're like, what? How can that be? Right. That's crazy if you think about it. But also, if you think about it, here's what's really in evolution. In evolution, primates, what, what they ate, what they ingested, the primates ate, had glycosides in them. Think about it. They all had glycosides. They ate plants and fruits, which had glycosides in it. So if we want to talk about evolution, we're talking about the human body ingesting glycosides since back, way back when, okay? So what we know now is that you have to control a specific glue pathway in ingested glycosides. Glycosides, you know, which have a high bricks of, which is a sweetening. That's the, that's the, that's the determination of how sweet it is, okay? So when you ingest different glycosides that have different intensities of sweeteners, that's in a different category of artificial sweeteners where you can get a really intense sweetening level, you may be 1,400 times sweeter when you're talking about glycosides around two to 400 times sweeter. Well, 200 to 400 times sweeter isn't as tragic to the body um, and giving it a really bad metabolic outcome as something like artificial sweeteners. Now, I know you've asked me today, today well, artificial sweeteners can we not use them? No, that's not the issue. It's not that we can't use anything. It's just that you have to change the glute pathway because there's three kind of fuels. That's it. And they come into the human body. That's it, buddy boy. There's ghost fuel and there's rogue fuel. And then there's a key code fuel. So for example, a ghost fuel would be an artificial sweetener where it's really sweet on bricks and the receptors in the, in the brain and the hypothalamus activity and the receptors in the mouth say, oh, boy, we got a lot of fuel incoming, incoming massive fuel. Let's get ready. Maybe we should make some more fat cells because we're going to eat about 500 pounds of sugar. Yay! Let's make more fat cells. Let's reroute it to a bad place. Uh, it's if you sat down to dinner and you had a 500 pounds of sugar and that's what you ate. I want you to tell me what the outcome would be if you sat down to dinner and you ate 500 pounds of sugar, okay? The body's not going to be happy, all right, Yvette? It's not going to be happy, and that's a ghost fuel. Can that be corrected? Yes, by changing the metabolic outcome of the glute pathway. Now, number two, rogue fuel. Rogue fuel is just like neutrinos. And for you physicists out there, and I know there's some of you, hello, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> okay, I know that you physicists are out there, Hello, Elon Musk. Let's talk about neutrinos. Okay. Is that neutrinos, for those non-physics interested people or people who aren't like Sheldon on the Big Bang, um, are, go through the human body all day, every day, until you go to bed because they come from the fuel, from the Big Bang. Okay. Neutrinos go right through the human body. And people say to me, oh, my God, what, wait a minute. Neutrinos are coming from the sun. Go, solar neutrinos come and go through the human body, right? And they go on, I go, I don't know, you'll have to ask the sun, ask Einstein. We don't really know, we just know it does. Right. And so rogue fuel is like a neutrino. You can't see it, you, you, it can't really be uh, identified, but a rogue fuel would be, a rogue fuel would be 
stevia, monk fruit, and glycosides, glycosidic sweeteners, okay? Those are rogue fuels, which it gets into the body and starts taking weird pathways through the brain and through the body and through the metabolism because it's not sure exactly what's going on. Because there's no real calories, no real calories, it says, oh, okay, what are we supposed to do that? Now, the third category is the corrected version of fuel. And we've been calling it in the laboratory key code fuel. So key code fuel just turns the key code to be designed to take the right glue pathway. And that glue pathway includes brain energetics and the brain body axis and results in basically metabolic synergy in the neurons that are stimulated by what comes in the mouth. And that message then goes to the body. It's so fascinating. Yeah. No, we're talking with Dr. Andrew East Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute on episode number two of our Science of Sweetness. Each month, we're going to be bringing you one episode looking at a very, very specific topic uh, in terms of the food, our food chains, and how it reacts and responds in our bodies. Today, we are talking about fuel trafficking, how the the fuel, regardless of what it is, whatever we eat, how it gets identified and where does it go in our bodies and how we need to understand this much more. Dr. Allen, I'm telling you, last week we mentioned ghost fuels, rogue fuels, and the key code fuels. And people are fascinated by this, right? And getting yes. back to your getting back to your point on the on the rogue fuels, uh, this is a here's a question from last week. This came in from Lauren. Okay, and she was talking about the non the uh, non-nutritive sweeteners. So if you have a drink with an artificial sweetener that has no calories, like a tea or a sport drink or a zero-calorie soft drink, um, what is the body storing in our fat cells if there's no calories? It's actually a pretty darn good question. Yeah, and it, it, and it, it, and it is definable. When people say to me, how can that be? Um, it, it's an amazing progression of where it goes and how it's treated. Uh, and it's it's amazing that a ghost fuel and now uh, acts very differently than a rogue fuel. So let, let's say we're, it's just the rogue fuels, right? Let's talk about the rogue fuels because they're the ones that really are confusing um, to the body where, okay, it's really sweet, but uh, am I, what am I getting? And if people don't think that that has a metabolic outcome, it does. So what we're talking about in, in terms of that, the antithesis of that is to the, allow the brain, to recognize the fuel that comes in the mouth as an acceptable trigger, okay? An acceptable trigger. And that would include what we're calling key code fuel. It doesn't stimulate insulin or blood glucose or LPL, lipoprotein lipase, which is a tragedy right there. You don't want to do that. That's a bad thing. Right. That activates the adipose tissue fat cells. Who the heck wants that? Okay. So in taking those stiviol or monk fruit glycosides, those glycosidic compounds, and we've We've really studied very heavily every single one of the glycosides in monka fruit, and it's fascinating. Um, actually, more fascinating than, than stevia is. It's a little bit more complicated. But what's amazing is if you can take stevia or monk fruit and then switch it to another um, uh, glue pathway, which is pretty easy to do. It's pretty easy to do. You just have to put a key code fuel in it. Now, what's interesting about stevia is if you, if you, or artificial sweeteners, if you combine artificial sweeteners or a, a glycoside with a carbohydrate that elevates blood glucose or insulin or triggers LPL, it's a tragedy. It gets worse. It's worse if you take an artificial sweetener um, or a 
a glycoside on its own, just alone, and then you put a carbohydrate in there that doesn't take the right pathway, you get a real hellhole. It's, 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 it's a nightmare of recrimination in the body. So the point is, what you have to do is in, in, in redesigning where you have to redesign where that stevia goes and where the monk fruit goes or any glycoside, okay? And what this requires in a key code fuel or something that's going to be corrected, it, the chemistry is it requires a bonding strength of two separate receptors. Now, okay, what the hell does that mean? It means that any confusion in a fuel entering the mouth, whether it's artificial sweetener or a sweetener without calories like a styrian monk fruit, that will induce, no doubt about it, been proven, oral cell depolarization, and it activates GPCRs by completely different coded pathways. And this results in no energy delivered to the brain or body and a complete crash in the entire energy generating mechanism. So some of the stevia-based sweeteners are like 100 times sweeter than sucrose on bricks, but there's no significant energy or caloric value. And so then it gets, the brain has a neural message, except that neural message turns into confusion for the brain, which says, oh, I'm tricking you, no fuel for me. Uh, guess what? That we're going to shut things down. So the, the, the whole mechanism of what stevia and monk fruit do and don't do in the communication highway between the brain and the body uh, determines that we have to change the way an artificial sweetener or a stevia molecule or, or a monk fruit molecule or any uh, really neurally produced uh, agent that comes into the mouth, uh, and that means it, 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 it actually clicks on uh, as a non-burnable fuel in the brain. Okay, so I don't want to get too deep into this because then we're going to get into hunter molecules and, and you'll hang up on me. I know, Crusher, <laughs> you're going to hang up on me if I say that, but... No, Doc, it's fa it's absolutely fascinating, right? Because whether there's whether there's calories there or not, the sweetness level sends the signal to the brain, turns a switch on in the brain, and the energy storing begins regardless of the fact that there's no energy coming in. Getting back to Lauren's question, so you know the bot that you get an insulin, you get signals going to the pancreas, you get insulin releases happening, and then the metabolic processes are in place and no energy coming in. Where does it, what is it storing? Well, it's taking, it has to do something. It doesn't sit there and do nothing. So if there's no energy coming in and you have the metabolic processes engaged, turned on and on fire because of the BRICS levels, the sweetness levels that the body's uh, um, um, sensing, uh, it will steal everything in store, everything it possibly can out of the blood, out of the yeah, muscle. Yeah, tell them where it gets it from. Right. Where does it go to get Look, it? Look, our body naturally has glycogen stores so we can survive in our blood, in our liver, in our muscle. And when there's this massive uh, uh, influx of sweetness with no energy, we actually start dipping into our stores, ripping it out, and then putting it into our fat cells. That's what happens. And that's one of the travesties. Hey, Dr. Allen, you know, last week we talked about... Uh, um, how how the science is catching up here and Time's great scientific journal called the the science of sugar, which is really really fascinating read. Well, you know, right along this lines, you know, uh, Lauren's question, CNN came out with an unbelievably powerful article. I'm just going to read you one little clip from it here, uh, yeah. talking about artificial sweeteners. And they said, "This is it. This is what was a, sort of a quote from the from the article: a black hole of bad news." 
for diet <laughs> sodas. Like, can you believe that? And so science, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Black I, hole I of bad news. Because I love them already. Yeah. A black hole of bad news for diet sodas. And the article was referring to artificial sweeteners and the metabolic disaster that it's creating, right? Yeah. And then you and I have talked about that. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what we talked about today, about how that mechanism works? Well, it's incredible, right? Because what we get when you we... know, if I do it, I'm going to go in, into the weird zone and talk about chemistry for 50 hours. So go ahead. No, no, but we need to talk about that. And that's why it's so fascinating because we're taking okay, things... Okay, look, let's start with this. When, I to- when we discussed today that after drinking diet sodas, the human subjects in clinical trials showed a 20% increase in the amount of insulin their bodies released yeah. when they drank it just with water. Yeah. 20% increase in insulin? Yeah. What yeah. the heck? Yeah. And that's that's a, that's after drinking a diet soda or a water with artificial sweetener. So, yeah. you know, going back to right. Lauren's question there, you know, I don't understand, you know, what is it storing? Well, when you get a 20% increase in insulin and 20%, let's just be clear here. That is not just a little bit. That is a massive nightmare. It's it's a nightmare of recrimination, right? It's a nightmare of recrimination. (laughs) So what's happening here, right? It's it's sort of a, uh, it's a misinterpretation. The brain is not calibrated for this. So it's a misinterpretation of sweetness in the brain that causes this metabolic cascade. That's just absolutely uh, really lending itself, Doc. It's a huge part of the, uh, uh, diabetes, the obesity, childhood obesity, childhood diabetes, and also the degenerative brain disease issues that we're seeing in our population. Despite yeah, all that's th- why, you know, you and I were talking today about cognitive function in right. gamers. Well, if you make the right gamers drink, it's got to take the right metabolic pathway or just uh, uh, naturally with what they're sitting there and doing, their, their, their cognitive function is going to be disrupted. And so many of the gamers have told us, you know, and we look at, you and I have looked at so many MRIs on gamers and how their brain is like going racing. And there's, I was saying, okay, what are you drinking? Oh, we're drinking some, you know, high energy drinks. We won't name them, whatever. I'm like, dear God, thank you. Then we get all foggy, okay? And and what you were saying about stevia and its metabolism was, what's so fascinating about that? Is they're going, well, I'm, you know, just drinking a stevia drink or a monk fruit or whatever, okay. But the stiviol is not digested, in the, is, is in the digestive tract. It's taken up into the bloodstream. So people, people, pay attention to this. Stevia and stevioglycosides are taken up into the bloodstream and metabolized by the liver. Don't tell me they don't have a metabolic pathway and a dimension. They do. Yeah, they really do. And that's where the breakdown in this whole system is, Dr. Allen. It really is. We've, mis- we've misunderstood that, but we certainly have never considered the the ramifications of this and getting back to the conversation on the fda that comes full circle to that why doesn't the fda regulate this why is it not on the label well the fda has stated that it can't calibrate for things like metabolism and glucose levels and the way the body stores fat since the studies are challenging to conduct and even more challenging to interpret so they they really haven't nailed down how it happens but when we look at our work and how we've uh, looked at the trials and how the body's responding to all these different sweeteners and carbohydrates, we have really, really identified that. And it goes back to our, our, our topic of the day, trafficking, understanding where these fuels are going to go uh, when they enter the body. And, and that's what's not happening out there. Right. And, then, you know, what's, what is so fascinating is, you know, what appears to be logical in the world of 
physics and metabolism is no longer, you know, the platform that you can go on. You have to do the clinical trials and look at the brain scans and look at the blood sugar and look at the metabolic reaction of things that you thought were inert. Okay. So for, for a good example is stevia and blood glucose. So stevia and its steviocides, which are the glycosides, affect plasma glucate, glucose, modulating insulin secretion and sensitivity because it, increase, it increases the glucose removal from the bloodstream. So come on. If you take a stevioglycoside and say that it has the power and the direction to increase removing glucose from the plasma levels, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a metabolic activity. We used to think that these things are just inert. They're just inert. Um, and they're not. Right. They have a life, and they have uh, a, a, their own glute isoform pathways. Mostly they're wrong, but well, like I said, when you create a, a human edible GPS system where you just add it to an artificial sweetener or a, or a glycoside, then you can uh, what then you can you can prevent what we call impaired glucose translocation because if it's the wrong glute pathway. It is linked to insulin resistance and diabetes. So don't tell me that something that, that, that has no supposed metabolic impact, like it doesn't affect your blood sugar, sugar or glucose or insulin, that's a load of crap. Oh. Because an impaired glute translocation is directly linked to diabetes and insulin resistance. Wow. So when they say, oh, it's, it's, it's neural, it's, it's neutral. Well, guess what? The rogue fuels are not neutral. Right. And that goes back to that, that, that research that's showing a 20% increase in insulin after drinking a diet soda. That's recent research, petrifying. too. That's petrifying. It is scary as all get up. Hey, Dr. Allen, you know, we've been talking about the glute pathways here. And again, today's topic is, is fuel trafficking. The whole concept here, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, understanding um, how, the, how the foods we consume, foods and beverages we consume, impact our bodies, impact our metabolism. And I think we're painting a pretty good picture here, Dr. Allen. But for the people that don't understand, like, you know, because how can people know about this? Glute pathways might sound like a scary thing, but all it is is sort of like a, an internal delivery system. That's all it really is. So exactly. Let, very good. Very well put. That's what it is. Yeah. So maybe, and I'll give you an example. Yeah. With stevia. This, now, this is some of the craziest research that I've ever seen. And, yeah, we validated, but other universities have come have – done this research and what they found out and it's related to p13k and akt but okay they don't, you're not going to let me go on that chemistry path anyway let's just say stevia and insulin because you'll hang up on me okay the two glute pathways okay um that are taken by stevia okay here's the craziest thing i've ever heard okay as soon as you drink or eat something with stevia in it or a stevia extract it takes the same pathway as insulin. Okay, so stevia extract ingestion is similar to that metabolically on the glute pathway. The same that takes the same pathway as insulin in the P13K and AKT. So what the hell is that? What is going on? That now we're talking about something that we thought was inert is not inert. So if we look at a glute pathway, okay, really what that is, okay, you, you, you go to the train station. Right. Let's say you're you're a nice stevia or monk fruit drink. 
all right, and you go to the gas station, you got little legs on you, you're a glass with legs, and you get on a train, but you, uh-oh, you're on the wrong train because you went on the train to hell. You went, to, <laughs> you, okay, you ended up in Compton, all right? <laughs> you ended up in Harlem, I'm sorry, no, okay. You ended up in a place or off into the ocean. So you got on the wrong bus or train. And that's what the glued pathway. So what we're saying is, okay, Mr. Stivia and, and Mrs. Um, uh, monk fruit or artificial sweetener, let's go to the train station, all right, and get on the train, but don't take the wrong train. So the wrong train would be the wrong glued pathway, and there's 14 glued pathways, some of them good, some of them bad. Right. Um, and so what we want to say is, okay, okay, guys, get on the right train. And that right train is going to send the right message. Don't stimulate insulin, which is the death hormone. Don't stimulate adipose tissue fat cells. Please put some in the muscle and in blood glucose levels um, so we can transport the glucose to skeletal muscle. Uh, don't do these, don't get on the wrong train. And that, but see, getting on the wrong train is fixable where you can, okay, here's how, what we can do. If we take those two glasses, one's the stevia and one's the monk fruit, and picture a glass, you know, with stuff in it, liquid in it, and then there's, each has little legs, right? Okay. And we say, okay, look, we're going to give you a ticket on this train, and this is the right train to take because we're going to avoid any kind of negative metabolic outcome or any rogue behavior, and that's why we call them rogue fuels, because they're going, doing the wrong thing or going the wrong way or giving the wrong message to the body. Okay, well, let's give them a ticket on the right train, and what that means is take those glasses of drinks, and then we just add, uh, we add suppose, uh, like an edible computer chip or a, a, a metabolic GPS system, which is what we're calling it, you take that, which we've done, been doing research on that for 30 years in clinical trials, to create an all-natural, um, safe for anybody, children, adults, diabetics, whatever. It's natural and it's grass-approved, and it's been tested in 250,000 people. Okay, Crusher? Mm -hmm. Tested in 250,000 people, as you well know, because you've seen the research. Yeah. Is that if you take that and you drop it in those glasses of water, one with the monk fruit in it, one with the stevia, then it changes the metabolic outcome so it takes the right glute pathway. And it's no longer a rogue fuel. It becomes a key code fuel. Because it has direction and purpose. There's function, right? Yes. Fuel follows yes. function. That's the key yes. here. And if if, yes. if if the function isn't the desired outcome, it's a disaster. So that goes exactly back to our conversation about the, let's just use that that analogy of the gamers. You know, it's a very unique challenge. We've studied um, brain energy demands and brain energetics. And when you have a gamer who is not physically active, but when you look at the energy requirements for the brain, when they're in the heat of battle or they're in the heat of a competition when they're gaming, um, the fuel, the demands actually in the brain change. They change with the number of decisions, yes. the number of reactions, the number of action. They switch on train tracks. Exactly. They switch train tracks. I love that. I really do. I really do. But if you're feeding the body the wrong fuel, you are not supporting that brain function 
you are taking away and possibly even destroying that brain function. And therein lies one of the cruxes, right, Doc? And and by the way, GLUT, everybody, when we talk about GLUT transporters, GLUT, G-L-U-T, it's glucose transporter. That's a short, just short for glucose transporter. But if you don't, if you don't send the right message or fuel that that gamer the right way, um, you cannot, you might feel okay, but you are not, it's impossible. It's impossible to operate at the highest level. Is that yeah, fair, Doc? Yeah, because you're, you're, st- you're stealing from Peter to pay Paul. Nice, I like in that. In the body, right. you're, okay? And that, what, what we're great. seeing is fuel transitioning where, you know, if the body, like if you get really low blood sugar, the body gets really, really pissed. The brain gets really pissed because it gets foggy. And a foggy brain can't really give out the right metabolic message. If the brain hates it, you know, if you get hypoglycemia, which I tell you what, if you drink a drink or something that stimulates blood glucose or insulin, your blood sugar is going to go up and then it's going to crash down like in some energy drinks. Okay. And, or if you have too much caffeine and I have a definite story on caffeine, I mean, I have patents on it. So, um, on transportation in the body of caffeine, but we can talk about another time, um, which was featured on the front page of the wall street journal, but we're not getting into that. Not today. And so what, not today. Uh, okay, so look, there are two different intracellular pools of glute, okay, in uh, and, and, and muscle signaling or going to different ways. Uh, ju- I'm talking about two specific ones. And these exist in skeletal muscle, particularly athletes. We've got to talk about that skeletal muscle. But they respond to two different signaling pathways. So when they're activated by something that goes in your mouth, that specific glute pathway, which is number four, undergoes translocation. Uh, from its intracellular reservoir to the plasma membrane of skeleton mus- muscle, or or guess what? Uh, now don't forget, here's the or, because you, as a sports medicine specialist, would say, I will give me skeletal muscle, go in the skeletal muscle. We love that, but it has a choice. It has two. We were talking about the two pathways, two different signaling pathways. If it takes the wrong signaling pathway. It can go into the adipocytes, the fat cells, the fat cells. So what what goes in your mouth can be translocated either to where a good place is in skeletal muscle or a bad place in the fat cells. Who the heck wants it to go in the fat cells? Don't forget, when one fat cell touches another, that's the message for the body to make more fat cells. So come on. We're talking about having the glute pathway and key code fuel transport anything. Whether it's a real fuel, whether it's calories, whether it's carbohydrates, whether it's whatever it is, whether it's glycosides and monk fruit or stevia or artificial sweeteners, it says, oh, no, 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 don't go that way, go this way, because the brain and the body will, uh, they will, they're intermediately will say, I like this fuel because it's natural, hopefully organic, we know what it is and we know what to do with it. So you can trick you can trick a stevia molecule, uh, glycoside molecule, or a monk fruit, or any of anything like that that has a bricks level, a sweet level, and you can say, no, no, we're not going to the mall. We're going to go 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 run around the track. We're going to do some long distance running. We're going to take you in the right place. So you can mediate that by just adding an uh, a, a metabolic intel inside. You know, I was I did want to call it a meta. Uh, a metabolic Trojan horse, and you went, no, a Trojan horse is not good. We don't like a Trojan I said, okay. I thought it would be a fun thing to call it a metabolic Trojan horse, but you nixed that, so I was like, okay. 
It kind of makes sense, though, as the Trojan horse, right? Because it sneaks in there and yeah. it attacks. It's, it's, it's a surprise it's attack. Tricking. It's yeah. tricking. It's, it's tricking. Yeah. It's uh, misinterpreted by the brain. It comes in uh, It comes in kind of un- in disguise. And then it that it unleashes its 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 will on the body, and it's not a good outcome, right? I mean, that's part of the no, problem. And, and here's the, you know what's the great, great, great thing? Is like, oh, God, you're talking about a metabolic Trojan horse. You're, you're scaring the bejesus out of me. Okay, but really, what it is, okay, in, in, in terms of the chemistry, and certainly we've, we've done this a million times over, is to say, look, what we're doing is taking a natural uh, carbohydrate, um, that can be made from natural ingredients such as fruit, okay? But remember, fruit has different components. Fruit has, and it's interesting, because if you look at watermelon or bananas, they're really fattening. Kids should not be eating bananas. I'm sorry, because they create progenitor, help create progenitor fat cells. Those are your permanent fat cells. So watermelon and things like that and bananas should be avoided if you're trying to avoid insulin spill, blood sugar, and making more fat cells, okay? That's just what it is. But if you look at some of the fruits like peaches and pears and things like that, they don't do that. But the, inside the fruit, you're going to find different things. You're going to find free fructose. You're going to find glucose. You're going to find uh, sucrose, okay? And then you're going to find glycosides. Well, if you can take natural components out and leave the bad stuff, leave the stuff that, that takes you down the wrong glute pathway and put something natural and, and completely 100% natural, and made from fruit or things like that, from fruit glycosides, then you can, that are low glycemic, then you can just take that and just put it in anything, uh, beverages, food, water, whatever, and change the glute pathway in a natural modality. It's not some chemical, you know, as we talked about, some guy asked me when I was lecturing on stage about that, and he goes, he goes, ah, oh, a GPS system, he goes, and remember I told you he wanted to wear the aluminum foil hat? Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, we don't need to do that. It, it's safe for babies and children, diabetics, obese people, whatever. It's natural. So we can make a key code fuel that goes in any of these things and, and change the glute pathway that's completely natural and harmless. Right. The body can identify. We're talking with Dr. Ann Deweese Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute in episode number two of our Science of Sweetness series. We'll be doing one episode per month. Your questions are welcome. There's a lot of stuff here, a lot of science. Don't be scared of the science. Just try to get the big theme here. Listen, if you take the wrong fuel and it goes to the wrong place, you get the wrong outcome. And also, the other big message here today, Dr. Allen, I think is really interesting, and it kind of comes off of Lauren's question from last week about the non-nutritive or the no-calorie sweeteners or artificial sweeteners is um, they're wreaking havoc in our bodies because our body, our brains can't identify them. So those are some right, of the And big- let me tell you where it starts. You're right. Here's where yeah. it starts. Yeah. Okay. Here's exactly where it takes place. And, and somebody had asked that too. Okay, well, how does that happen and when does it happen? Okay, non-nutritive, okay, sweeteners and hybrid sweeteners bind to oral sweet taste receptors in the oral cavity, anywhere in the mouth. They bind to them and that starts the message clicking of what glute pathway to take. It occurs when those non-nutritive and non-caloric sweeteners bind to the oral sweet taste receptors in the mouth. And that starts sending the message to the brain, brain energetics, switch the brain, switch the game. Yep. 
And it's saying, okay, wait a minute, this is not a burnable carb. It's not a metabolizable sugar or burnable carb. And the, the, the brain is not happy when you trick it like that. So that's when it starts right there. Yeah, it's it's right off the bat. And then, of course, it gets into the digestive tract. There's other signals there. But the signals are already sent to the brain and the process is in action. Again, that goes back to this fascinating research that was done. 20% increase in insulin drinking a diet soda. Everybody, that's a non-nutritive. That's, that's zero calories. Crazy. It's crazy. And, <laughs> Listen, you know. When we said that on stage 20 years ago, we'd have been thrown off. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember talking about Well, you about know, it. I tell you what. Try standing on a stage, you know, I lecture at the Tokyo Convention Center, but I also lecture at the United Nations. Try telling people stevia raises insulin levels higher than sugar if it's the wrong stevia. And if it doesn't have, you know, a rider to it to take it down the right pathway. And they go like, how is that possible? <laughs> right, right. No, What no. are you talking about? No, incredible. <laughs> this week's episode of Crush Performance is brought to you in part by Inside Tracker. If there's one thing that I've learned in my 30 plus years of working in high performance sport, it's that no two athletes are the same. So when we start preparing our athletes for competition, we attack the individual and we always work from the inside out because change is an inside job. No two bodies are the same. You're unique and your nutrition plan should be too. Inside Tracker helps you optimize your body using science and technology to deliver ultra personalized guidance. When you do what you love, playing your sport or running or racing or even getting out to enjoy the great outdoors, you probably want to do it well and you want to do it for life. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside in order to make science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way for better performance and better health. And I really want this for you. I want it for your family and for your athletes. So here's what we're going to do. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to info.insidetracker.com backslash crush and use the discount code crush. Again, that's info.insidetracker.com backslash crush with a K and use the discount code crush and get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Discover your body's potential with Inside Tracker because what's inside is what counts. Dr. Allen, this stuff is fascinating. So, hey, let's let's maybe sum it up here for people here as we as we come towards the end of the show here, Dr. Allen. So, again, today's topic was fuel trafficking. Coming off of all the questions and feedback from last week's show, you know, we talked about ghost fuels, the rogue fuels, the key code fuels, which are directed to to a direction. Um, but then they, as soon as they enter the body, they are um, designated, is that fair to say, to, to a pathway, to a delivery system, which is the glute pathways. And if it gets on the right pathway, you know what? You can have a really good outcome. You can have a great performance. You can feel great. Uh, the body's metabolism will operate properly. But Because there's real fuel. Because it's fuel. real fuel. But when that gets crossed up and either there's no fuel and the signals on or the fuels that do go in can't be identified by the brain and they they hitchhike and hop onto the wrong pathway metabolic yeah. disaster happens which impacts our health our brains and our performance fair to say doc absolutely and and you know it, 
it, it, it's, it's a very complicated topic, but we are trying to make it very understandable for people. And really, who you know, are, are please gentle readers and listeners to our data. Um, you know, the thing is, please ask us questions because yeah. we, we want to hear what you're what you're interested in in what we've been talking about. Like, what are you what are you focusing on? What do you want to know? But you know, bottom line is a no calorie sweetener. And, you know, when we do clinical trials, board-approved human in vivo clinical trials, we're looking for glucose tolerance tests, blood sugar levels, insulin response, right? Yes. So but put this together. A no-calorie sweetener affects insulin response as based on glucose tolerance testing. So if you do a blood glucose tolerance test, it says that a no-calorie sweetener has affected your insulin. What the hell? Right, right. It's 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 almost counterintuitive, right? And I think one of the yeah. um, one of the uh, quotes coming out of that recent CNN study and articles that they were talking about it contradicts the laws of physics, and it really does. It's insane. Totally, right? totally does. Yeah, but so does you know what? I want to do a whole show on a calorie is not a calorie. Yes, we have to. We used to think that a calorie is a calorie, but we now know that a calorie is a calorie. That statement defies the logics of physics, yeah. okay? They're wrong. A calorie is not a calorie. We're gonna, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And we should do a whole show on that because it doesn't work that way. No, we'll dedicate an entire show to that, and we could talk for hours about that. And that's an important one, too. So I'm going to put that in the docket here, uh, Dr. Allen, to make sure we do that. And that goes right along with... The incredible misunderstanding of the glycemic index and the glycemic response of carbohydrates. You know, it was hot for a while. People, you know, the, the early, the early glycemic researchers such as yourself, you guys were really, really onto something. You were onto something, Dr. Allen, for sure. And then, you, you know, people were looking in other directions because they didn't understand it. But now, isn't it interesting? The, the glycemic carbohydrates, I mean, glycemic is showing up everywhere now because people, I think, are finally starting to understand, researchers are finally starting to understand, elite nutrition, uh, sports nutrition and dietitians are finally starting to understand the relevance of that glycemic side, right? I mean, it's... Right, and the glycemic response is controlled by the glute pathway. Right. Let's remember that. So I received the first glycemic patent ever awarded which was very nice, and it was Breakthrough Product of the Year, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point is that, yeah, back in 83, when I got obsessed with doing glycemic research, um, and we've tested every sugar, every sweetener, whatever, um, we have followed the pathway of glycemic. And there were a lot of scientists who said to me, I was lecturing with Dr. Atkins. We were named the top 10 nutritionists in the United States, Atkins and I, and, and, and uh, it was, there were 10 doctors, okay, and they sit me right next to Dr. Atkins every time. Uh, and we were lecturing at Disney World, and I, I turned to him and I said, Dr. Atkins, you're a lovely man and a complete idiot. Well, he thought that was hysterical. He started laughing. But, you know, we were, we were t um, through that whole process of lecturing all over the United States for Newsweek. You know, they would say, okay, 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 Dr. Allen, well, are you telling us that the sweet taste a play a significant role, you know, in the metabolic outcome. And I go, yeah, let me prove it to you. Here, and the, the, your listeners are going to love this. So when we talk about the sweet taste receptors in the mouth, which is really where it starts, but think about this. And I know somebody's going to ask me that. What if you put the the sweetener? Think about this in a capsule. Think about that. What if you take a non-nutritive sweetener, right? Yep. And you put it in a capsule so that it bypasses the sweet taste receptors in the mouth. Ooh. 
what would happen, right? If it's if it's bypassing that initial uh, sweet taste receptor message, which transfers the brain to the message to the brain immediately. It's like in 11 seconds, it's like, hey, incoming fuel, or I don't know what this is, or spit this out because it tastes bad. Uh, it happens really, really quickly, why, which is why you can make a sports drink that works faster by using switch the brain, switch the game, than one that doesn't have switch the brain, switch the game. Exactly. Because it's going to take 20 minutes for it to metabolize, but it only takes seconds for it to talk to the brain. So think about that. What if we took sweetener and put it in a capsule and then they swallowed it? What would happen by it bypassing the sweet taste receptors? And you know what happened? It definitely played a role in the outcome that we could measure in the glute pathway, in the signaling pathway, in the glycemic impact, the whole thing, because the taste receptors were the first, you know, they're the first responders. They're the first responders. Let's put it that way. And when you bypass them, it, Yes, it's eventually going to go wrong in the gut, but it takes a different pathway, which is crazy. Yeah. And Think about that. That's so a- we proved that we proved that the cephalic response that takes place in the mouth and the, all those T1, R1, T1, R2, and T1, R3 receptors, if you bypass them, it eventually goes wrong, but it goes wrong or right really quickly. Like if you wanted to go right with a sports drink, you give the message to the receptors like uh, incoming fuel that you can use as energy and you get a message really, really quick. that's just probably going to change Olympic records by doing it that way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's fascinating, right? So yeah, I like that, that the, uh, and by the way, smoking pot doesn't affect your performance. I just got to say, Oh, interesting. That may be a conversation for another day. Yes. We're talking about what was on the news yesterday and I'm not saying, but go, yeah. but we yeah. all know we'll dive into that. Hey, so um, I like the idea of the of the um, first line of defense there, sort of the taste receptors in the tongue, but that that gut response. You know, when you bypass it, and the, the that kind of goes back to that brain body access, right? They communicate and they continue to communicate at different levels to make sure things are in balance and in check. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that some of the researchers uh, that have been studying, you know, non nutrient what they're calling NNS non-nutritive sweeteners, right? And I'm going to quote you from them, which is really interesting. I have a little bit of a different, though they're right, it says uh, non-nutritive sweeteners that should be avoided in humans are aspartame, ACE-K, potassium, neotame, saccharin, sucralose, stevia, and monk fruit extract. Now, I'm quoting from a a scientific and clinical document that is published, okay? And I'm saying, okay, so you're saying don't ingest any non-nutritive substances. That's what it says, quote, examples of other non-nutritive substances should be avoided. Aspartame, ACK, potassium, neotame, saccharin, sucralose, stevia, and monk fruit extract. That's what they said, not me. Right. Okay. And, but they're saying it for a reason because they know that it has a definite effect. Uh, and I'm saying, no, 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 no. We don't have to do that. What are we going to do? The entire Take every all of those products out. Of, it's, it's, come on, it's in ninety percent of the products. One of those that's on the market. That's stupid. We're not going to. Humans aren't going to do that, and the manufacturers aren't going to do it. And I'm saying, no, don't take them out. Just give them a direction. Give them uh, a, a GPS system, a natural, organic GPS system that takes it down the right. And, uh, don't stop using them. Right. Don't stop making products with those things in them. Just redirect the glute pathway. Give them a chauffeur, okay. so you to speak. You know what's interesting? I, as you know, I have a patent on caffeine. Um, okay, which is interesting. Okay, and on coffee. But 
The point is that both coffee and caffeine have an effect on glucose uptake rates. So we're talking about other things that are natural that affect your glucose uptake rate. Um, okay, caffeine has an effect on glucose up, uptake, uh, whether it's in coffee, tea, or energy. Now, um, I fixed that, and that's what one thing I got a patent on, was by buffering the caffeine to make it to, you know, take a different pathway, to have it not do that. Yeah. But it's interesting to note that alcohol also does that. Right. No, it makes sense, right? Uh, you think of the foods that we consume, they have to be directed somewhere. They all impact the body's metabolism somehow. That is fascinating. So I, let me ask you something. What if you could make wine that had uh, a metabolic pathway changed in it, that had a GPS? What if you could do that? Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That all would... right, we'll have that call. We'll have that call soon. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Dr. Allen. Wow. Fuel trafficking, glute pathways, the ghost rogue key code fuels. It's all coming together. Everybody listen, we are going to continue this conversation. We'll have one episode per month. A lot of the topics will be driven by your questions. So please do get to us and um, we'll give you those coordinates here coming up. But Dr. Allen, today, you know, we talked about all the pathways. We talked about the sweeteners, non-nutritive sweeteners. We talked about carbohydrates. Hey, any final remarks? What should people do right now? Any advice you can give people as they try to digest all this information? Uh, see, that's the problem that we have right now. It's like saying, uh, how do we get to Jupiter today? Right. Okay, well, we can't get to Jupiter until we get to Mars. We can't get to Mars, you know, until we get to the moon. It's that, okay, well, what has to happen now? It's really uh, a corrective process of changing the metabolic pathways of the things that we eat and drink. But, you know, just for some examples, I'll give you, you know, and, and I can't, I'm, I can't say how, you know, how you can fix your diet right now uh, or how you fix what you eat and drink right now, because I can't go into the grocery store and take everything's off the shelf and fix them while we're talking. But that's what's coming in the future is that really uh, the advancement of science um, is going to be creating the utilization of these low-energy, non-nutritive, intense sweeteners, compounds, and isolates, and, and making them okay by putting them on a better glucose pathway. But here's, here's, here's just some fun stuff to do. Okay, look, if you're going to drink a diet soda or something that's an artificial drink, I'm just going to give you guys some, some, some things to do, okay? Then, okay, this is crazy, but if you're going to do that, make sure you eat something with it that's going to make it go somewhere else. So, for example, this is really fun. If you're going to, and I love diet, nobody's going to take my diet soda away from me. Oh, <laughs> hell no. Oh, no. We know and that. Crusher will tell yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Crusher will tell you. I'll fight you. I'll wrestle you. It's like, oh, no. Okay. But if you're going to have that, okay, just don't drink it alone. Have either some fruit and nuts with it or just some fruit because that's going to change the pathway. Uh, the nuts won't because they're protein, but the nuts will, here's what's interesting. A protein will blunt the response. It will blunt the response. Brilliant. But here's the key. You don't want to have a protein without a carb and you don't want to eat a carb without a protein. And that's why a high protein or ketogenic or Atkins diet is really not the way to go because we will have a cold call on that. If you want to, of the metabolic response, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be ketogenic. Now, can you fix ketogenic foods? Yeah. Again, with an Intel inside, you can redirect it. But if, you, if you're going to have, you know, a diet soda or, or something that's, an, you know, an artificial sweetener or anything, just make sure you have some kind of a protein, whether it's chicken or fish. I mean, who wants to, you may not want to eat, but you can eat some nuts 
not dried fruit, forget that, forget that, no raisins, that's off the table, you know, and some fruit, and that's going to, and not, not fruit beverages, not fruit beverages, okay? We're talking about food. So if you, you know, you, you say you have, you know, just a little bit of fruit and some nuts, or just signed up some kind of a protein with a low glycemic carbohydrate, and so then you're going to redirect, you're going to trick those uh, low-energy, non-nutritive sweeteners, compounds, and isolates, and the glycosides into taking a natural pathway. You trick them by eating something with it. Look, in, you know, what's interesting? We did a clinical study, and it made people crazy, saying that fried chicken wasn't fattening. Do you remember that, Carter? I do. Oh, yeah, I remember it very, very well. Yes. Oh, my God. People made me say that on stage all the time. They just went crazy, okay? So I said, no, we did clinical trials. Fried chicken is and cake. Come on, my grandmother's from South Carolina. Come on, please. <laughs> you know, it's fried chicken like every day. Fried chicken for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. All right. So, but but here's what it was. It wasn't that the fried chicken was fattening and went into the fat cells and stimulated insulin. It was that what they ate it with. So if they ate it with, who's going to, come on, I'm going to eat mashed potatoes and fried chicken with gravy all over it and some biscuits, okay? So, but if you eat something that's, that, that stimulates that insulin message and takes the wrong glute pathway like mashed potatoes with chicken, it, it, then it's going to go into the fat cells and wreak some havoc. But if you take fried chicken and you eat sweet potatoes with it, it's not going to trigger that insulin. Yeah. So that's crazy. You can have fried chicken, okay? And what we, what we said was, okay, fried chicken has a coating on it, right? You dip it in breadcrumbs or flour. You wouldn't know that. You're not a cook. Well, wait, your daughter's a cook. Okay. <laughs> When you dip the fried chicken in batter or, you know, or, or some kind of coating or flour, it actually makes it less fattening. Incredible. Because right? you're having, because the chicken's just a protein. But when you dip it in something, you know, like it's got this real crunchy coat, coating on it, you know, like they have at Publix. I love their fried chicken. Okay. The more coating, the better, because those are carbs that are that are telling you, okay, if it's just protein, we're not going to stimulate insulin, but we have some carbs with it. So, you know, my recommendation is try to eat protein with carbs, uh, basically carbs that aren't going to stimulate insulin, um, and stay away from those fruits that are going to stimulate insulin. So th those are just hints, but, you know, we'll, we'll go more into detail yeah. in, in the future. But right now what we're trying to do is explain how and why this stuff, the sweeteners act in the body, because that's what we're talking about. Fuel trafficking, the science of sweetness, uh, and yes, are there a lot of recommendations we can give you? But yes, but not for this call. Yeah, no, great stuff, Doc. And the other thing, maybe the last big takeaway is just be aware. Hey, watch the sugar content. Look for those artificial sweeteners. Be aware of what's going in. Stay tuned every month to the Science of Sweetness. And at the end of this year, we can guarantee you will have an incredible understanding of how these foods are impacting you, your health, and your performance for sure, Doc. And it goes back to your statement from last week, which I love. This is sort of, I think, going to be the calling card for the entire series is don't you think we have the right to understand how foods are impacting our metabolism? And if you're a parent, oh boy, oh boy, the metabolism of our children as well. Oh boy. Well, I tell you what, next time on the next show, here's what I'd like to do, listeners. I'm going to tell you how to go in the grocery store and make a protein fruit smoothie that is going to be well within the realms of an appropriate glute pathway that won't go in the fat cells, won't stimulate insulin, just by stuff in the grocery store. And I'm going to tell you how to make it. 
And then if you know, you can use that as a buffer. So, you know, we'll give them some hints on things to do where they can send the right message by ingesting something with, say, you know, uh, a naughty food. Uh, There's even stuff that you can put in a diet soda that I'll tell you what to do that will change the metabolic response. And that's going to be lots of fun. Yeah. So I can't be. wait to hear from your, from your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. No question. All right, Dr. Allen. Hey, fantastic show. Incredibly interesting. Lots of incredible science there, but boy, oh boy, precious, precious knowledge. And that's exactly what we need. If we're going to turn the corner on our health and our performance here, Dr. Allen, we are absolutely out of time here. I have to thank you for the incredible conversation today, the sharing of your knowledge and all the information. And I can't wait uh, until our next episode. Okay, Crush. All right, there you go, everybody. The second episode of our Science of Sweetness series in the books. Let us know if you have any questions. Let us know if you have any topics you'd like us to attack. And let us know if you need any help, because that's what it's all about for sure. All right, that'll do it for today, everybody. I have to thank Dr. Allen for joining us today. I want to thank you for tuning in. And coming up next week, it is the midseason of baseball. We are going to be talking the All-Star Game. We're going to look at the first half. We're going to look at the second half. We're also going to dissect where baseball's at in terms of minor league contraction, missing an entire minor league season, how have things been going. We'll look at the top stories from the first half and we'll look at the injuries and injury rates. It's all coming up in the next couple episodes of Crush Performance. All right, everybody, now get out there, go have some fun, and most of all, get better. We'll talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>